we have a brother from Stinkin', pretty much from L.A., my brother Dennis Chi over here. Um, he's actually going to give us the word tonight. We're going to be in Judges chapter 7. And I want you guys to pay close attention. Like, this guy right here, like, man, the Lord's anointed him. Um, he's one of the guys from the pit, from the desert with John Corson, along with Josh um, he's one of those guys, you know, so he's a lunatic. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, he's he's an awesome brother, and he's so amazing because when when Dennis teaches, when he prays, like, it really, it really touches my heart. Like, he's so passionate, you know. And I've heard many stories in the desert with Josh, like, from Josh that, you know, when he prays, it's like, shh, you better watch out. Fire might come down on you, you know. Like, you better be careful. So... I'm not I'm I'm not, you know, boasting in him, but I'm boasting in how passionate he is for the Lord, you know, and I want each of us to grab a hold of that flame that he's got, you know, and get catch that fire that he's got, you know. So really pay cl- close attention tonight. Um I was talking to him over the phone yesterday night, you know, trying to make sure if he was going to be here or not. And he's, you know, he kind of like Oh what, Brian? You think I'm gonna flake? What? You you don't even you don't even trust me. You think I'm just a flake? And I'm like, dude, I just want to know if you're gonna be here, you know? So we were just like chatting a little bit, but he says he's got a stick like a sick story coming up for us, and I I can't wait to hear it. So, family, welcome Dennis Chi. All right, yeah, it's always uh, interesting to be at new places. I've actually been here before, but thank you, Brian. Only reason I'm here is to make Brian feel a little more comfortable, you know. I could sense why he kind of feel out of place all the time every week, and he cries out to me all the time, you know, get over here and stuff. But the 91 is no joke, man. Oh, my gosh. I left at 5, and I just got here. I actually left at 5.50. Sorry, 5.50, and I just got here. But the Lord, let's see if he has a story for us. Could we just all bow our heads for prayer and Lord um, God we're just ordinary people who stand before your feet and we wait for your presence and more than anything Father that our heart's desire is the very thing to seek your face Lord and more than my words more than even the words of the scripture Father may the spirit that is with you that is with us just be enlightened, that it may be open, that it may truly be ignited, that it may be alive, Father. That more than just what we feel and what we are facing or going through, Father, that truly the Spirit will prevail, that even Your Word will pierce hearts, that it will be the sharper than any two-edged sword that would split apart the things that is not of You. Lord, I just pray for Josh and all the people who are in New Zealand that is doing your work and your ministry, Father, that, Father, that they will spread the kingdom message, that they will bring the kingdom upon New Zealand, that many will come to know you, that truly, Lord, that your spirit would open eyes and open hearts. So, God, this night is yours, as Brian said. May you take the glory, and in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Yeah, today we're at Judges chapter 7, but... Could you guys all turn to Judges chapter 7? And as you're turning, Josh is doing a, a great work in the Lord. And I just want to exhort you guys. It's amazing. I was pulling up right here and I, I kind of got startled in my heart of how many people are actually out here every Tuesday. And last time I was here, I think it was even more people. But m- 
more than anything, I just want to exhort you guys what you're doing here. It is something so extraordinary. It is something so much of the Spirit that nobody could just, hey, we're going to throw Bible study on Wednesday night at a coffee shop. It's not going to just pop up and happen. Only by the Spirit of God would it, would this be enabled. And truly, every one of you guys, as much as you think, man, this is the same thing every Tuesday, guess what? It is not. Your days are ordained, and truly, even this night is ordained by the Lord, and He has a thing for you. So as we are there in Judges chapter 7, let's begin our scriptures. Now, does Josh go verse by verse and he goes, I'm not like Josh. <laughs> but I do talk as much as Brian do. And my church always complains that I go like three hours long. And just bear with me. Let's see where we get. I don't know. But I just want to grasp this idea. So you guys all know the story of Gideon. I know you guys are well Bible study people and you know you guys heard the message of Gideon probably millions of times in your Bible studies and your Sunday schools and stuff that he left that fleas out there to get it wet and you know he got scared again so that he asked the Lord you know Lord if it's your will then dry it and make the ground wet and all of a sudden that the very thing happened the next morning and so much alike you and I could be like Gideon who is so afraid to meet up to the standards of God's will or maybe the calling that He has placed upon your lives and my life. But we start off in chapter 7 after that miracle of the fleece. And we begin our scriptures in chapter 7 verse 1. Then Jerubal, I'm not good with English, you know, I'm Asian. So, you know, you got to bear with me with my little fathers lingos here, okay? Just bear with me. I'm used to it. So you guys can laugh all you want. But that is Gideon. And all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well, well of Herod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. In verse 2, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give to the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hands has saved me. Now therefore proclaim it in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon again that the people are still too many. Bring them down for you. Oh, I'm seeing. I'm beginning to mix them. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Yeah, I messed up right there again too, huh? Then it will be that of whom I say to you that this one shall go with you, and the same shall, same shall. Go with you, and of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you. And basically, I'm not going to mess up. My eyes are just, whoa, it's crazy. And my words and lingos are going off. But what hap what's happening right here, right? Israelites with the Gideon has around 32,000 people. And what's going on here? God is saying, look, there's the Midianites, and they're already outnumbering you by Four to one. I think the numbers are around like 130,000 people. The Midianites and the Amalekites together combined in this little valley. And what the Lord is saying to Gideon is, you know, Gideon, I think there's too many people. 33,000. I think that's too many, Gideon. You know, if you ask, go tell the people. If you're afraid, tell them to go home. And he takes them down to to the water and he says, look, 
Even 22,000 is too much. So Gideon, what I'm going to tell you right here is this. I want you to tell them to get a drink of water. And whoever gets on their knees to drink of water, and whoever, there's going to be one who gets on their knees to get that drink, and there's one who's going to get on his face and lick it up like dogs. And whoever gets on his knees, tell him to go home as well. And Gideon is left with 300 people. You guys remember the movie 300? It's a crazy movie, huh? There's a lot of killing and a lot of blood. I was all excited because I thought it was a story of Gideonites, but... I mean, Gideon. But it ended up being about some other things. And But it was still a good movie. It had a lot of sex appeal and all the naked bodies, you know, for all you ladies and stuff. But it wasn't too pleasing for me. But the thing about Gideon, it, he's left with 300 people. And I want you guys to kind of join with me in this story and kind of capture yourself in this whole view of Gideon. He is faced up right now with 130,000 people. And this is something that is so just... If you go to Harvest Crusade, I, I believe there's not even 100,000 people who gather in the Angel Stadium. So imagine that stadium just packed maybe twice as much and that many people are against you and they are willing to kill you at any given second. And Gideon has 33,000. And I'm pretty sure in Gideon's mind, dude, Lord, I have nothing. And how many miracles did it take for Gideon to see? It took many, many miracles for Gideon to even get to where he was because Gideon was the one who was hiding in the wine press. You remember? In, in chapter 6 or chapter 5 or so, he was hiding and he was, he was just doing, living in his own little knife, life, nice little cozy place. He didn't want to bother anybody, nor did he want to be bothered by anybody. And the Lord calls him out and he says, Gideon, I want you to get rid of all the idols and all the idols of your household. Do you remember that last chapter? And he goes on and he takes down the, uh, the idols of Baal. And the family members, they know who did it. And they're out to kill him. And they, they are, they're about to kill Gideon. And, and, but at that time, I believe the father of Gideon comes, steps into the plate and says, You know, if, if Baal is the real God, then he will avenge for himself. And we are nobody to avenge for Baal. So that's why, and they labeled Gideon that Jerubal. And it's quite interesting how they would do that because a chapter before or in the beginning of that chapter, they cry out to the Lord because they are overtaken by the Midianites and the Amalekites. And how many times you and I we cry upon the Lord and we say, God, you better rescue us. Or Lord, you need to rescue us right now, right now, because I am stuck and I don't know what to do. I don't know why I'm feeling the way I do. And yet we forget to see the bows and the idols that, it, that is encamping in our lives daily. Does that make sense? Because so many times we cry at it and we, we think we're so righteous. We think we're so right before the Lord. And we don't even look at the things that separate us from God. And you know, I'm stuck in that place so many times. And it's so interesting because even as a pastor for your youth and for college, I forget to see my own dark spots. I forget to just, just I always forget to see the, the blemishes on my own body. And I justify myself so good because I'm sitting on a Bible study or I'm leading a Bible study or I'm reading the Bible or I'm praying before the king or I'm praying for the people. And it's quite interesting, the family of Gideon, 
they still had their idols before the Lord. And they and the Lord raises up Gideon, who is doing his own little thing in the wine press. And I love that. And we're going to continue our story there because this right here, this chapter, is all about victory. And I want to kind of throw this out there before we even get to that point. But I know that Joshua, my brother, he's been probably giving you the grace bomb all year long or many, many years. He's giving you that grace. He's like, yeah, I can still picture him. Raising his fist to the air with this smile, with this beard, you know, when he had that crazy man. What, what Brian said is true because he is a lunatic. I man, I spent four months with him and I, I never met a man like him, you know. But I also am a lunatic and he probably thinks the same of me. And is this recording? Because I hope he doesn't hear this. <laughs> oh, yeah. But... The, you know, God uses weird people like this. And I'm pretty sure all of you guys share the same kind of things in certain ways. But it's all about victory. And I know even though Josh has been throwing you the grace bomb, how loving and the gracious the King Almighty is, why do you feel the way you do? And oftentimes I ask my congregation, nor not even my congregation, oftentimes I ask myself, why am I still the way I am? And we're going to kind of work through the scriptures today to find out why we are the way we are. Are you guys excited? No. No, no kind of really. But join with me. I'll kind of get you excited as along the scriptures. And verse 4, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. And I read this part again, and I'm going to just jump to verse 7. And the Lord said to the Gideon, By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you from, and deliver you the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go. Every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets and their hands, and they sent, and he sent away all the rest of Israel. Every man to his tent and retained those 300 men. And now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise and go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hands. For I have delivered it into your hands, he says. And... Uh, Oh man, I got to stop there and just make a little something. Don't ever think that what you do or what life you're living in or the ministry you're serving in, what school you're in or how you're living your life, it is not what you do anymore. And this is another grace bomb that everything you and I do, it is not us, but it is Christ. It is God who do all things. Isn't it, isn't it real that He lives in you? Isn't it real? But how come we live our everyday lives as though He doesn't? How come we live our everyday lives as though He doesn't exist? And we look at the physical and we don't see the spiritual. We look at a tree and we don't see the fingerprint of God in that very tree. And oftentimes we walk every day, every single hour, in despair and depression. I don't try to watch the news too much. You guys, Are you guys a news fan? You get depressed. I get depressed at least. I turn the CNN on. I get so depressed. Because it's so hard for me to see Christ in the midst of this world problems, right? And I ask myself, what the heck am I doing sitting in this couch watching TV? Why can't I be out there? And I want to ask that same question to you. What are you guys doing here tonight listening to an Asian guy speak about the Bible in Riverside? I don't know. But let's see what the Lord has to say. In verse 10, But if you are afraid to go down... 
Go down to the camp with Pura, your servant. And another point that I want to point out, you remember how, uh, uh, I don't want to say that word, but a scary cat, Gideon is. You remember he couldn't do anything. And I don't blame him because I, I would be the same. You, if the Lord called you out to go to Afghanistan by yourself and raise up an army and go against whatever it is, or not even Afghanistan, to North Korea or whatever the land of the enemy of God is, do you think you're going to just go? You know why you're sitting here? Because you didn't go. <laughs> That's why. And I'm standing here because I didn't go yet either. But let's be prepared, right? And the Lord, He doesn't beat getting up for that. He says, look, go down to the Midianites. But if you're afraid, take your servant with you. Because I understand. And oftentimes we beat ourselves so much and say, oh my gosh, what am I really sitting here? Why? I know Dennis is saying it's true and why am I sitting here? Don't be dismayed because the Lord knows and He is not sad or He's discouraged with you. He knows you. He knows me. He knows the very numbers of your hair. He knows the very thoughts that you think and articulate within your heart. He knows that. And He doesn't blame you for you for you to fear Him. And I love that about the Lord and Gideon. And Gideon has kind of gained this relationship with the Lord. And let's go on to see what... I'm trying not to stop. I want to finish this as soon as possible too. In verse 12, Now the Midianites in the camp... I mean, now the Midianites and the Amalekites, all the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts. And their camels were without number as a sand and the seashore in the multitude. In verse 13, And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream in his companion. And he said, I had had a dream to my surprise, a loaf of dream to my surprise, a loaf of barley bread, sorry, to tumbled into the camp in, of Midian, and it came to a tent and struck it so that it fell overturned and the tent collapsed. And his companion answered and said, There is nothing else but the sword of Gideon and the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream, its interpretation that he worshipped that he worshipped and he returned to the camp of Israel and said arise for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into our hands then he divided the 300 men into three companies into 100 people and he put the trumpet in every man's hand with every pitchers and the torches inside the pitchers and when he said to the to, 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 to them to them to, to them to them excuse me look at me and do, do likewise Look at me and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then, and then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, The sword of the Lord and God of Gideon, and Gideon, the, so the Gideonites and the hundred men who were with him came to outpost the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. Just as they had posted watch, they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that, the, that, that were in their hands. And verse 20, we'll, almost done with the scripture right here, okay? Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hands and one trumpet in their right hand, blowing and they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. 
and every man stood in his place and all around the camp and the whole army ran and cried out and fled amen oh it's always a struggle for me to read especially when i'm out here and i don't i don't have much in my hands but can you guys picture this isn't this story so just flat out i i don't usually like to read throughout the whole scripture because it's it's just kind of repetitive but this story is just so played out plainly just by reading it and it's the victory of the lord that he claims through this man named man named gideon through the 300 men against 135,000 Midianites and the Amalekites. Now the, the odds are 450 to 1. 450 to 1 person. One person going and 450 people just against one person. And I wonder just because your life and my life is so similar on this earth. And I think we Christians, we're so outnumbered by so many other things in this world, especially all the, the stuff that the media feeds and so much stuff that this culture kind of feeds and bring it, brings to our table, right? The way we dress, the, the things that we long after, the things that we love to do, the desires of the flesh and the things just of the heart that you love to fulfill. And I come back to the very question that I began at the beginning. And if Josh brought you to the table of grace, to the Lord's table, and he dropped the grace bomb on every one of you guys and said, Grace is so good because God loves all of you. And it doesn't matter what anybody does to you or what you've done, God still loves you the same. And I will still ask that question, then why are we still the same way? And I want to make a statement here tonight, and I don't want you to miss my heart. Don't leave. Because what I'm going to say may offend somebody. What I want to say here tonight, I don't think grace is enough. I really don't think grace is enough. You ever heard the song, Chris Tomlin, Your Grace is Enough? You guys all know that? Well, I kind of throw that out the window because I don't think it's enough. Because I believe if it really was enough, then we wouldn't be the way we are. Does that make sense? I really believe that truly if grace was everything in our lives, then we really wouldn't be the way we are. But there's another aspect of grace. When Jesus came on, on earth and he started preaching his message, he says, he says one thing in Matthew. He says, the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near and believe in the gospel. There is two aspects to the message that he brought. He says, I'm going to bring the kingdom, and also there's a good news. And there's two parts, in, even in the death of Christ. There is a death, and there is a resurrection. And there is grace, and there is also something else. And I believe... Right here, as Gideon proclaimed victory in the battle, as you guys all know, as he cracked that vessel, earthen vessel, and the torch lit up, you remember what happened? Every one of them in the Midianites and the Amalekites, they freaked out because in those times, every torch, usually when an army is being led, there will be one torch and there will be around thousand soldiers following behind them. So imagine for the Amalekites and the Midian, uh, uh, to the Midianites, you guys are they're sleeping in the middle of the night, and as they wake up, they look up and they see hundred and three hundred torches being lit up around them. That's around three hundred thousand people, right? So they're being outnumbered. 
out of the chaos, the plan that the Lord could only think of, Gideon gets the victory that night. And everyone is killed. And I wonder how this could apply to us. And I still wonder. But bear with me. Grace is really not enough. And you might say, then what is this message that Josh has been feeding us for the past couple of years? What's well, good message? But I really believe in the scripture of Galatians 2.22, 2, chapter 2, verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. What does this mean? I love the factor of grace that we could actually do anything in liberty and freedom. I love it. I love it. But I truly believe majority of the Christians don't really grasp the aspect of grace because they still live so much. Now what does this mean? Have you been crucified with Christ? Are you crucified with Christ tonight? Has your earthen vessel, has it been cracked yet? Has it been opened up? Has it been lost? Has it been truly destroyed? Because even if a little bit of this moment you live, then Christ doesn't live. Does that make sense? Christ lives as you die. As you are crucified, He comes. As He was crucified, we were made alive. What does this mean? Does this make sense? Am I confusing a lot of you guys? Just bear with me. Because look, I really believe, I really believe in Romans chapter 6. It says we are all dead. And we are all dead to, to, dead to sin. And we are crucified on that cross. And truly it is no longer I live but Christ that lives in me. And it goes into chapter 7 that if we are dead, then we are no longer bound to sin anymore, right? Then why do you still live? Why do you still live? Why do you still do the things that you love to do? Why do you still have the idol set right around you? And why do you still worship the things that is not of God? And truly, truly, of course grace isn't enough. Of course we cannot change our lives because we are still living and Christ doesn't live in us. And I really believe that truly this night that God wants to show us something. Not a just a, another standard of holiness to live by, but He shows us a whole new way to live. Just a whole new way to live. If you make it a standard, then you become a Pharisee or legalism, right? But I ask you tonight to really see it as a whole other way to live. You and I say, man, this world has so much stuff, temptations and over-temptations and over-temptations, and I have no victory over it. I still struggle with the same old sin. And just as Brian shared, many high school students, they still struggle with the same thing, and they are depressed. They are on their way to suicide, and they are truly just being so deceived by Satan. And they hear the message. Maybe those are Christians. And they go to church, even Harvest Crusade, Harvest Church. And they hear from Greg and they hear from Josh about grace. But yet they still cannot comprehend this factor of how can I still not change myself? I really believe the gospel of the message of grace comes through your death. What does that mean? It means that you have to die to yourself. Maybe the things that you desire, 
Maybe the idols and the vows that you hold up to. The very, the very status that you've gained from people because of the way you dress or how popular you are. Maybe the very reputation you hold up. Maybe it's time to let go of that. Maybe it's time for you to kind of drop your reputation, your status before men and women and let Christ really live. You know, I, I believe last week, Josh probably dropped the, the spiritual walking in the spirit, right? He came back from South Carolina from our, our buddy's wedding and he probably came and shared with you guys that we got to walk in the spirit and, you know, Josh going to probably grow out his beard and start praying by himself in the streets like, you know, how he always did or something if you guys were close to him. And you guys probably thought he was crazy. And he's going to probably kind of go in that mode because he says he's lost it. But why don't we do that anymore? How come you guys don't do these radical things that might offend somebody or might be offending even to yourself? Are we just too afraid to lose our status quo? And I remember as I'm reading this Gideon story, it brings me back to the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And if you guys would just simply turn there. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 It says this But we have this treasure in earthen vessels That the excellence of the power may be of God And not of us We are hard pressed on every side But yet not crushed We are perplexed But yet not in despair Persecuted but not forsaken Struck down but not destroyed Always caring about the body And Body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in the body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. Very straightforwardly put by Paul. He says, You are earthen vessels, and the very power of God lies within you. And, he's, and, and in Colossians, it says, All fullness of Christ, the deity, the Trinity, is in you. And all power of the kingdom of heaven is in you. The power to heal, the power to cast out demons, the power to truly do miracles is in you. It's with you. And I wonder, why don't we have victories like Gideon? Are we living just too much for ourselves? Are we still living too much? Are we carrying up our reputation a little too high? Is my status... Based upon what the eyes of God judges by or based upon your eyes that's sitting on, upon, on these chairs. Because the moment I tell you, I tell you the truth, the moment you let your guards down, you just drop everything of what others think, then the things that you love to possess, when the things that you love to possess doesn't possess you no more, I guarantee you, the very essence of the Spirit of God will possess you and you're going to be possessed in the Holy Spirit and your life will no longer be the same and I tell you the truth this world will be changed I tell you the truth your life will be changed 
And I tell you the truth, you'll understand the full aspect of grace. Because it's not something that you try to work up for. It is not something that you could ever do for yourself. But you simply died to yourself so Christ may live. And He will do so much through you. You ever get the feeling like when you're walking and you kind of... You know, I was on the flight with Josh going to South Carolina. And I remember this old lady was sitting next to me. She was like in her 50s or 40s. And the Lord says... No, but the thing is, the Lord said, my girlfriend's sitting right there. I'm just kidding. But the Lord says, tell her that she is so beautiful in, in, in my eyes. And I was like, what? I mean, think about it. If, if it's some Asian kid, you know, we're flying to Dallas. And she's probably living in this. She's never exposed to Asians or something, you know, other than the local Chinese restaurants. And I'm telling you, I was like, I'm not saying, I'm not going to talk. And I, <laughs> I still regret it to this day. And I wonder how many of the things that the Lord has given you, the very manna for the day. And I wonder if we start dying to ourselves and start breaking our vessels, our earthen vessels. I wonder how bright that torch will shine. I wonder how bright the spirit, the light, the lighthouse you are, the salt you are. I wonder how salty you are. I wonder. And I'm not trying to bring, and I'm pretty sure many of you guys here, all of you guys not even, are the ones who walks in the Spirit. I'm pretty sure. But there's that much more to us that need to be broken, even tonight. And even the, the thing on the way back is kind of ironic, because on the way back, me and Josh sat together, and in the middle, this, this young little guy sat and me and Josh were just drained because we didn't sleep all night from the night before. And truly, we're just like kind of burned out and we're just like, oh, I'm going to sleep. And this young guy, he takes out a Bible, this huge Bible, and he just lays it down. And you, we, me and Josh kind of look at each other. We kind of know. Like, we need to talk the message into him. But the thing is, we just, we're just like, oh, we're too tired. <laughs> See, I'm just ordinary person like you guys. Josh is the same ordinary person just like you. And we fall asleep and wake up. And 30 minutes before the, the plane lands in LAX, guess what? We start sharing with him the spirit message. And he's just lit up. He's from Texas. He's going to Hawaii for a vacation. He's lit up. And he's saying, you know what? You've just made my day. You made my vacation. Dude, you, you guys did it. Oh, my goodness. We got to pray on that plane. And, but I wonder if me and Josh started talking to him from the moment we got on. I wonder. And I really believe why the statement I make, the grace is not enough. Why is it not enough? Because you guys live too much to receive the grace that the one who died to give to you. And to receive this, you must die. And you must be no longer part of this world anymore. And you won't be walking in the flesh anymore. And I still have to challenge myself as I walk every day. Do I see the spiritual things in the physical things? Am I in the spirit as, the, as, as much as real as, as I am in the, in the flesh? Is the spiritual things as that much real? Is it that real? Aren't you guys excited? Because the moment you do that, your life will change. It will no longer be you who live. Your name 
your social security number, everything about yourself that you built up, will no longer be there. But would you still follow this Lord that you proclaim to be, this Jesus? Would you still follow? Gideon did. And he broke that earthen vessel. And it took a lot of miracles for him to kind of overcome. And as we understood, Lord was gracious to show him the miracles, right? And he's gracious to show to you guys. For those who are willing to see. And there's so much potential ahead of you guys. There's so much. Don't settle for something so little. Don't settle for something so little. Especially for the ladies. Don't settle for some low life guy. And same for the guys. I'm not talking to all the guys here, but you know. Same for the guys. Don't settle for some... Yeah. You know? <laughs> There's so much for you guys. I, mean, I drove hour and a half to be here to, to tell you guys just about this. Because God has something for me. God has something for you. I did not just go through the traffic for nothing. <laughs> I did not. I live in L.A. And I was, I was telling my girlfriend, this is worse than the 405. I'm getting fast-tracked next week. I'm telling you. I'm going to get it. Even though I don't come here that much, I'm still going to get fast-tracked because it's worth it. But see, when we realize the spiritual things need to start being alive through the death of our fleshy things, then it no longer becomes a standard. It's just a whole new way to live this life of holiness, the life of joy. Is your life full of sadness and sorrows? Then maybe you might want to check your heart and you might want to see what you're doing. Because the Lord is full of joy and He's willing to give you that joy tonight. He's willing to give you that victory tonight. And I want to just ask all of you guys to kind of join with me in this prayer as we end this tonight. And could we just all stand together? I don't know how this works with Brian um, or Josh. If Brian comes up and he plays or something. does Okay, we'll just all stand. But I really believe that many of you guys are being called out to a broken life. That truly your name and your status will no longer matter anymore. That truly the image that you've kept up, that you've brought up or you made up, will be broken tonight so that Christ may shine, that Christ may live. Let's pray. And Father, we're here tonight, God, not knowing what you have in plan for us even a minute later or even tomorrow. But God... I long for this life of freedom. I long for the life of joy. I've longed for everything that is of you. So Father, I believe that is the same for the hearts of many here. And I ask, Lord, that your spirit will truly reveal yourself. That the message of grace and your everlasting patience for us will be shown even tonight. But Father, for us, Would you help us to die even tonight? Would you help us to be crucified? And would you help us to let our guards down? Would you help us to lay our crowns to the ground and really cry out, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Father, we just ask for that blessing. So we give you the glory tonight. And in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Amen. Oh, just want to say one last thing. Paul says, when I lost everything, he's gained the world. May you lose everything to gain everything. Amen. Amen. That's Dennis right there. He is radical. You guys can be seated if you wanted. But, man, I was blessed by that message. I really was. And um, I hope you guys didn't, like, you know, got, like, uh, a different vibe from what he was saying. You know, he was pretty much saying that the, the only reason why you don't know what grace is is because you haven't died to yourself if you're still living the, the sinful life. You don't know what grace means. But the second that you die to yourself and you understand what Jesus has done for you and for me too, that's when you know what grace means. That's when His grace is not enough. And so that's what I I hope you guys understood out of this message, you know, that it's when you it's when you lose your life, that's when you'll find it. You know, and just like how Josh is talking about walking in the Spirit and all these things, <clears throat> we care about our reputation so much. I, I do. I know each one of you do because I'm not the only one. But when we start to lose that, when we when we when we go off on the limb, you know, like when when we go to the grocery store and and the Lord just tells you to just tell someone that Jesus loves them, and then you just Jesus loves you. What the you know what just came out of my mouth there, you know? When you start to do that, when you start to step out, when you feel that tug on your heart, that's when you'll understand what God is all about. That's when you'll start to understand, wow, I did die to myself right there. That wasn't me. Like, I just went on the limb and I just did it. I died to myself right there. Because there's no one, no one will ever go up to someone and just say, hey, um, Jesus says you're beautiful. Did you know that? And they're just like, what? Like, you must be insane or something. Something must be, you are insane or something, you know? But really, that's when, like, that's when the Lord takes over you. To, to to tell someone that, hey, to tell a 60-year-old a woman, hey, Jesus thinks you're so beautiful. What if that made her day? You know, you just went on a limb there. They can think you're a lunatic, but you just went on a limb and you died to yourself and you just said it because you knew that that's what the Lord wanted you to say and you did it. That's when the, That's when you've died to yourself and you're letting the Spirit overtake you. You understand what I'm saying? So, for you and for me too, let's let's try to be sensitive to that spirit, you know? I mean, I've done it like maybe a couple of times on a SWAT trip, you know, where I just go out and like, hey, you know, and just do the thing, you know? But I see myself, when I'm on a SWAT trip, that's when I, I'm sensitive to the spirit. When I'm out sharing the gospel, that's when I'm sensitive to the spirit and that's when I go. I just go full on, you know, I'll give money away or I'll, I'll buy someone lunch easily, easily when I'm put into it, you know. But I'm not into it when I'm just walking on my normal daily life, you know. And so I encourage I encourage all of us, you know, this whole group of people, when we're walking, when we're going about our own day, if the Lord's telling you to do something or if the Lord's telling you to say something or purchase something for someone or just to tell someone that, man, Jesus loves him. Let's really try within, you know, our whole being, within our hearts. Let's just try it. Just try it just once, you know. 
Because you'll never know what if it blesses that person that day. Or what if the Lord just like, he, he taps you on the shoulder and he's like, Brian, go go tell that person I'm going to heal them. What? I don't think so. Like, no way I would ever do that. But Josh made a great point because when you start stepping out, when when the Lord tells you, okay, go, go tell that person in the wheelchair that you're going to go heal them. The first minute that you think, oh my gosh, no, obviously it's not going to happen because you lost faith right there. But what if you started to do it? You said, oh, okay, Lord, you know, negativity's still there, but you'd go and, Lord, heal them. And it doesn't happen. You still went on a limb, right? Let's say you do it 50 times. And then the fit, like on the 51 try, you know, on the 51st try, the Lord goes, hey, go tell that person you're gonna, that I'm going to heal them. Okay. Because you've done it so much that you, you're just going to go do it now. You know, you're, there's no negativity anymore. You're just like, you're not going to be bummed. You're not going to be like, oh, my gosh, I can't do it. You're going to be like. Okay, done it many times. Let's go do it. You know, whether you fell or not, what if just that one time you had that faith? Because you didn't care. You're just like, okay. And you did, and you healed them. And, and it happened. Like, the Lord healed them. Like, what would happen to you? You'll be like, what the? You'll, you'll probably be running or something. You know, the guy gets up out of his, you know, wheelchair. He's all, like, dancing around, doing, like, a river dancing or something. You'd be so stoked. You'd be, you'd be. So your mind would go bananas. You get what I'm saying? The more you step out, the more you'll be callous to being negative to step out, which means the more you'll have faith when you're callous to the the negativity because you don't have it anymore because you stepped out so much that you're going to have, you're going to produce more faith. And what happens when you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move mountains, you can do anything. And so let's try to do that, you know. I'm going to try, you know. I'm really going to try. Like, I'm so dead serious. I'm going to try, you know. Like, oh, I can't wait. You know, I'm going to, I'm like sweating already. Like, it's it's difficult. It's hard. I know. I'm scared too. You are too. I know. I feel it too, you know. We're going to be scared. But, man, let's try it. Just try it, you know. Let's try it to the point where it becomes a normal thing where, eh, the Lord's just telling me to go try to heal this guy again. You know, okay, let's go do it, you know. And maybe that one bit of faith might heal him, and you can rejoice with the Lord. So, family, I hope you guys were blessed by Dennis, you know. And I totally am, you know. I was so happy he was coming to speak because I was like, yes, another Asian brother, you know. I'm, the, I'm, only, I'm, the, I'm always the only one here, you know. I'm, I'm always the only Asian guy here. And I was like, yeah, we need more, Dennis. Because I was on the phone with him. He's just cracking up. He's like, dude, you're white. I was like, no, I'm not, dude. Come on. Like, seriously. And so it's just funny. Like, we, we bust jokes all the time. So, man, let's go out. Let's let's try it. Let's just try it together, you know. And um, let's see some miracles happen. Maybe... One, if if a miracle happens, we can all rejoice together when you share it with the family, you know. So let's do it together. 